streets. I left the city, I've been proud. Treading water that they drowned. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Welcome to episode 73 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And Mung, I mean, this was our first Sunday without football. I got to ask, how did you spend it? <laughs> Just uh, hung out with the fiance. Uh, you know, she she's stuck with me and bared with me through all football season. So I appreciate that. And uh, sometimes just got to chill a little bit, watch some movies, you know, hang around. Yeah, it was it just felt weird, right? Not having football. But what we got you covered with is rookie talk, more and more rookie talk. You know, I was I was sitting on the sofa. I wasn't feeling too well. And I'm like, but when I had a chance to talk to this guy, I was like, yo, we're not canceling the podcast. Super excited. The producer of the NFL Draft Bible, host and creator of the Rookie Big Board, the FF educator himself, Matt Hicks. What's going on? Gentlemen, so excited to be on here. I feel like if this is episode 73, I feel like maybe this is the third time we've done this. I'm starting to get a good percentage of the episodes here. I like it. I like I it. I know. You're <laughs> you're a first, like, three-time guest. And, I mean, like, honestly, you're one of my favorite people, one of my favorite followers on Twitter. When it comes to rookies, I got to say, man, like, you're my go-to guy, you know. And I'm always – we talked about it last year where you were saying where Najee Harris compared to last year's class. I drafted him in all of my rookie drafts. I literally – I got him in 10 out of 11. And it, it panned out, right? And we we're going to talk today about some of these – rookies and how they they pan out but what i really want to talk about first is man i am just consuming your rookie profiles on the rookie big board podcast i mean it is awesome for you guys that don't know um you and and is it john loud yep yep Yep. yeah you got it they're doing 10 to 15 minute podcasts individual i just listened to one on kenneth walker and i'm like stoked about kenneth walker now you know i'm listening to these and it's just great because it's so short but it's so compact there's so much great content in there why don't you expand on that a little bit? Because I know I didn't do it justice. Yeah, man, we're going through the entire uh, – we're trying to highlight the top 40, 40 uh, incoming rookies here. We do a quick 8- to 12-minute profile on each of them. We do their their background, the numbers, uh, film evaluation, and try to translate it to fantasy football. Uh, it's at Rookie Big Board on YouTube, Rookie Big Board on the uh, – on uh, the, any of your favorite podcast channels, man. It, it's part of a, a greater kind of effort with the Rookie Big Board podcast to kind of do year-round rookie coverage here, look at it through a certain lens, and make it quick and impactful. Even the longest episodes are like uh, 20 minutes long. So a lot of really good content with the YouTube page. And uh, also, if you're you know really about it, you want to chop it up, uh, you know, get into the full rankings and everything that we're going to talk about, I'm sure, in detail today. I got that going on over at patreon.com slash the FF Educator, and that's the Discord and bonus episodes and all that good junk. Yeah, and I liked how I, I listened to the the last podcast or, or the one where you, you went over your rookie big board, you know, and, and where guys are falling at for one quarterback leagues. And what, what I really like about that is it's quick moving. It kind of – and you've now, you know, focused in on not just your rankings, not just John's rankings, but you're mixing in some of the – the ADP that's currently going in there, which I really love because you were like, I wasn't quite high enough on Garrett Wilson compared to what you guys are saying. So you moved him up a little bit, you know, and it's a, it's a constant process here. A lot of guys are saying, well, this is who I had in January. So that's who I'm going. It's a process, right? We got to continually look at this and see where things go. And, you know, we, we passed the senior bowl. 
Pretty soon we're going to be at the combine. Next thing you know, we're going to see draft capital and it's just going to change the entire way throughout the process. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important, right? Like, and, and this is something that I've learned kind of, uh, you know, trying to navigate this space. It's such a fluid space, right? Like judging rookie content and you have to be willing to be fluid. You have to be willing to stick to your evaluations to some level as well, right? But if you're not responding to one, what the NFL is telling you uh, in two, what the fantasy community is telling you and judging ADP, you're not going to be able to properly find value, right? And that's the key word when it comes to rookie drafts. And I'm sure we'll talk about this class compared to last year's class and next year's class. Every season, there's value in the rookie class. You just have to be able to navigate it. You got to be able to find it. And sometimes that looks different in individual years. But, you know, to your point, being able to get a good feel for consensus ADP and what the NFL cares about, it's this fine balance, right, between those two things. Mung, before we jump into this, I mean, you and I are answering so many Twitter trades. I mean, the the trade, my my trade DMs are going crazy asking about rookie picks. And I've been sending them to, you know, some of the things that we've been doing in the past. And obviously I'm going to send them to this link. But what's the biggest trend you're seeing, obviously, Everyone's talking about those 23 picks. Are we way undervaluing these? Are we overvaluing them? I mean, give me a brief synopsis of what you guys are both thinking. Because at the end of all of our podcasts, we've been asking everybody, talk about this 23 class. We love it, right? It's, it's going to be 2020 class, maybe with a little bit more juice possibly. But we haven't been there yet. Mung, what is your philosophy at this point? And talk to me about some of the trades you see. Yeah. And, you know, to put this out there, I say at the beginning of each off season on all our podcasts, I'm not a Debbie guy, right? So I'm just barely starting to get into my research on this 2022 draft class. And that's why I love having these guests on like Matt early in the off season where I get to kind of just listen a little bit more. You know, I, I talk a ton during our in-season shows and then later on in May and June after the draft, but Right now, you know, I'm listening to guys who I know are smarter than me at this point on the rookie class like Matt. And in terms of the rookie trades that we're seeing on Twitter right now, you know, you mentioned it earlier in the show where we are seeing people kind of just trying to get rid of their 2022 rookie picks for the 2023 class. And even if you do feel like next year's class is better, I don't see any reason to sell at a discount right now because we all know, you know, we talk about this, I I feel like every other show where rookie picks will inevitably gain value when you get hype from the combine, from the draft, when people see landing spots. Uh, You know, if you wait just a month or two, these picks are going to appreciate in value. And, you know, it's really just not worth it to sell them right now unless you're getting what you think is going to be close to the value you would get in April or May. Yeah, and now's the hardest time to buy picks. It's the hardest time to buy 22. It. It's going to be one of the harder times to buy 23, but I think like as soon as this draft is over, those 2023 picks are even going to go up more. Like it just keeps getting crazy. Matt, you know, you're 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 big into Debbie. You're playing it. You see all the names and we had Jeff Bell from Fantasy Pros on last week. He said seven guys would have went above, you know, who you and I both have as Traylon Burks the 101. There's seven guys that he said would have went above him. And is that do you agree with that and how are you treating these rookie picks right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I have a lot of feelings towards the way people are valuing 2022 to 2033. And I think, you know, first and foremost, I want to reiterate what what Monk said, which was a really strong point here, which is now is not the time to sell your picks, right? Uh, No matter what, 
we know every single year it can be the worst draft class in the world, which it is not. But I'm saying, for example, your picks are still going to gain value over the next couple months, right? Because right now, they're just names out there. Some folks are just starting to get into the draft class. A lot of you know folks are just starting to do their research on it now that the Super Bowl is over. Uh, and nobody has that attachment yet, right? The player hasn't been drafted to the team. We haven't fallen in love with the Clyde Edwards E. Lairs, right? The guys that we overvalue because we're we overvalue those landing spots. So I say all that to if you if you are out on this class, but you have the 101, but you have the 103. Don't panic sell right now. Hold on to that. Wait till we get to the draft because all the way up to the minute that you're on the clock, that pick is going to gain value and your league mates, one of your league mates is going to go up and make that move as they feel that anxiety and that pressure to, to, to you know, fix all the holes in their team in, in May, which is a different story. But, you know, when you look at the 2023 class right now, I was going through my Debbie rankings here and, uh, you know, I have it set up so I can compare value, you know, from Devies to rookies to dynasty and, in a super flex league right now, uh, there are nine players who, you know, in, in this exact moment, I have a higher, uh, what I call my, my rookie big board rating. I have a higher rookie big board rating for nine guys in the 23 class compared to the top guy in the 2022 class. Now, there's the caveat. And so there's the setup, but I need to give the caveat here. And this is what folks do not understand. Draft classes get weaker over time, right? It's so easy for us to sit here and say, man, Bijan Robinson, Bryce Young, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Kayshawn Boutte, these guys are all going to be rock stars, right? I cannot wait. You, you don't know what happens. This is football, right? And I'm not wishing this on anybody, right? But you look at a guy like Kayshawn Boutte, he missed an incredible talent. He missed a huge chunk of this last season, with a, with a lower body injury. If he goes back and suffers a similar injury or another injury, does he reclassify? Does his draft stock absolutely tank, right? You go back a, a year from today, uh, February 2021, we we were so excited to talk about Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, right? Yeah. These were going to be the next two big quarterbacks. They were going to dominate this year's rookie class. Well, now most folks don't even think Sam Howell is a top three rookie pick, and Spencer Rattler reclassified and transferred from Oklahoma to South Carolina, right? Um, and so I, I say all of this to just to point out that the draft class is fluid. It could also get better, right, in a year, but it, it also, in more likely, it's going to get worse, right? Uh, players all the time. We thought Chris Olave was going to declare for the 2021 draft, and he didn't. He came back, and it was a totally unpredictable thing. He could have been a first-round NFL draft pick. So I say all of this to say it's fluid. It's okay if you're in on the 2023 class, right? Go and, and stock up those picks if you're in a rebuild. But don't don't pass on the 2022 class to do that. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. We just finished Smash Except Listener League three, and I'm in that. I got eight 23 firsts. I was I was everybody wanted to be greedy for the uh, the here and now. But to your point, what what you said earlier is right now we don't have you know something. It's not a hundred percent consensus one on one. But we get Malik Willis going to Pittsburgh, or we get you know we get Traylon Burks going to the Chargers, and now all of a sudden we're like, okay, this name has a landing spot. Now it has some more value. So it's like a lot of these picks, people are just giving them away. You're just like, like I told you before we got on here, I saw a Twitter trade, the 103 or a random 23 first. The random 23 first was winning the poll, which to me is absurd because we have some running backs in this class. We've got some wide receivers and I just want to jump into it. So, I mean, we're, we're excited. You've been our first guest, I think, each of the last two years when we're talking rookies because you're the guy that everybody wants to hear from. And we're just excited to have you jump into it. So you're 101. 
my 101. Mung, is it your 101? Are we in agreement? Traylon Burks. Yo, I, I wasn't lying when I say I have literally just started writing guys in pencil. So if, let, if you guys are saying that, Google. that's going to influence me. I'm trying to go in blind. When I when I do my rankings, really, I, I try not to listen to too many other people at first. Um, and obviously, I take input from smart people. But uh, as of right now, if that's what you guys are saying, I will agree with that. <laughs> All right. Well, what a, we'll, we'll pass it over to Matt. Matt, hit us up on why Traylon Burks. You know, some people are saying Garrett Wilson, he's been moving up their boards, you know, but it's usually between those two guys. For me, it's been Burks. For you, it's Burks as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's not uh, one correct answer to the 101 this year, right? It's, it's not like last year in Superflex Leagues where Trevor Lawrence was a really easy 101 pick. I think there's going to be a lot of differentiation. I think, you know, what, what really sticks out about Traylon Burks, he's a really high upside prospect. And when it comes to fantasy football, when you're drafting in, in, the, in one tier, right, I'm going to go with the high upside option. So for folks who may not be as familiar with Traylon Burks, he possesses a really unnatural level of speed and athleticism for his size. So I believe he, his most recent measurement is, is 6'3", 230 or 225. Uh, and he's a wide receiver. He's super big bodied. He's cut up really well. He bursts off the line of scrimmage. He's really explosive. He accelerates well running downfield. A contested catch monster, right? He can absolutely go up and dominate at the catch point. <laughs> There's some really, really fun examples. You know, just, just go ahead, type in uh, YouTube there and look up his uh, one-handed uh, catch through double coverage against Auburn. It's for a touchdown. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's really reliable hands. You, yeah, you, put it in large on, you take it in on YouTube and this is the guy where you're like, everybody's like, <laughs> as soon as you see the highlights, you're like, you know, I know that's like not real analysis. It's just for entertainment. But you see that and you're like, I got to have this guy. Man, there's just like a get out of your seat factor, right? And Traylon Burks jumps off the page with it. But here's the thing, and I think this is why a lot of folks are getting excited about Traylon Burks right now. And it's kind of funny how this works for fantasy football sometimes. Arkansas was was not the best offense, uh, you know, playing in a, in a very tough conference last year. Traylon Burks got the ball every way possible. Right. They handed him the ball off as a running back. They they drew screens for him at the line of scrimmage. You know, guys, it sounds a lot like Debo Samuel, right? So folks have just watched Debo Samuel make a huge fantasy football impact in this way. And then they're, they're you know, flipping on Traylon Burks tape and they're like, hey, whoa, one and one. Now we can't, you know, make that leap. And, and some folks, you know, want to compare him to DK Metcalf versus Debo Samuel. I'd say that's a pretty good hybrid to be in between. Um, I also think, you know, part of what's driving my my rationale for Burks is the highest wide receiver right now. I think he's the first one off the board in the NFL draft. You know, I'd be surprised uh, if we're far into the double digits of the first round, you know, picks 10, 11, 12, and Traylon Burks isn't off the board yet. So I think that's really going to help push him up when he when he captures that draft capital as well. Yeah, it's crazy. Some of the things, I mean, you're looking at a guy at 6'3", in that kind of, if he runs in the 4'4", four he's in some really, really elite crowd, you know, as far yeah, as which that. he should. He number one, should. number one in college football and yak. I mean, the dude wears size five XL gloves. Those are some mitts, man. Like those are like pickles for fingers, but he's just soft hands goes up, gets those contested catches. Like I've been jumping into him and I absolutely love it. I wish I had more shares in that upper area, which I won't because that's not how I play. You know, Matt, you've played, you've played dynasty with me. My picks don't stay on there very long. You know, I'm, I'm gunning for the wins, <laughs> but uh, the next guy. And also, you know, this is who I have as my RB one in the class. 
I've been big on him. You know, everybody, there's some debate between Hall and Spiller. Ultimately, talk about, they. you have them at two and three. Differentiate the two guys here for it. I mean, I think landing spot's going to be huge for both of them. And you have Kenneth Walker at five. So talk to me a little bit about all three of these. These guys are in a tier of themselves in this rookie running back class, in my opinion. I mean, you have anybody else in that top tier? Yeah, yeah. I will slide one more into that tier because I'm a big Kyron Williams fan. But okay. uh, let's go. Let's start at the top here. Isaiah Spiller is my running back one, one right now. He's really smooth. He's a methodical back. I think he really pops off the line of scrimmage with good burst. He's got really solid vision. I think that at the end of the day is what separates Isaiah Spiller for me. Uh, vision is a really, really key uh, factor in my formula, right? Because if you can't see the field, you're not going to last in the NFL. That's not a trait that you develop in the NFL. You need to develop that and show that beforehand. Really clean footwork, good lateral movement, a subtle slipperiness to his game. I think the reason folks aren't getting super, super excited about Isaiah Spiller is because he's not going to run the best 40 time, right? None of these running backs this year are going to run the best 40 time. That doesn't make them bad running backs. That doesn't limit their ability to succeed in the NFL, but it does limit their their ability to put up highlight plays, right? And NFL team or, or fantasy football players love those highlights uh, probably more than they should. Uh, when it comes to Brees Hall, you know, he's, he's a little bit different of a runner. He's a more patient runner. He's an effective one-cut guy. Uh, he can explode through space in that same way. I think he shows a little bit more pure athleticism compared to Isaiah Spiller. You know, Spiller's a little bit more fluid, uh, a little bit more of a methodical back where Hall will, will you know, drop a mean cut. He'll, he'll work through his cuts really sharply, right? Uh, he has a good vision at times, uh, but it can be a little bit of uh, inconsistent there. Uh, he's not a burner. You could see him get caught from behind a little bit, but pretty decent speed. I think uh, another thing that really separates Isaiah Spiller from me compared to Brees Hall is Isaiah Spiller really showed pass catching ability uh, at Texas A&M this year. And it's not that Brees Hall can't be a pass catcher. He wasn't heavily targeted and I don't knock my running backs on that, but I also can't give him credit for that in my film evaluation. Right? So I think that's another way that Isaiah Spiller kind of jumps over Brees Hall in another way that Isaiah Spiller has a little bit of a leg up on Kenneth Walker, you know, who is my running back three. So I'm reading them off in order here, in my rankings, but you know, Walker is this high motor guy. He's explosive. He's strong. He wins in a variety of ways. He cuts upfield very well. And Walker's second gear is really fantastic. He's a physical back, really great lower body contact. And I what what uh, is really encouraging for me for fantasy football is that he can be an effective goal line back at the next level. Good vision. Uh, again, you know, relatively cap speed compared to some of the other running backs we've seen over the last couple of years. Another guy who really was not featured in the passing game. Uh, but remember, Kenneth Walker, you know, when you're talking about football IQ, Kenneth Walker transferred from Wake Forest to Michigan State before this year and, and almost finished uh, as a Heisman finalist, which is super fantastic. Um, and then the last guy I will throw into that top tier, I got to add him in here. And I want to point out, you know, he is still uh, fourth for me as, as my running back ranking right now. But I love Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. Now, a lot of folks are off Kyron Williams strictly on the size itself. Uh, he's listed as 5'9", 195. We know folks tend to lie about their weight uh, on the official uh, websites for teams. So the combine is going to be huge. I know 195, that specific weight is a cutoff point for a lot of analytics folks. So we're going to see how that progresses here. But Kyron Williams, I, I just mentioned size, you know, relative size concerns. 
He plays big. He plays much bigger than his size. He's physical. Go and watch Alabama tape, uh, 2020 Alabama tape. You could see him physically throw Alabama linebackers to the ground, throw them off of him. Uh, He has really great lower body strength, excellent vision, good athleticism, really, really clean footwork. And Kyron Williams, for my money, is the best pass catching back in this draft class. Super consistent. They actually line them up split in at times, not just out of the backfield to run routes. Uh, Go flip on the Purdue tape. You could see Kyron Williams actually go up and win a contested catch ball against a nickel corner. Uh, So, you know, he's a really fun, effective back. Um, And despite his size, I do think that he can win in between the tackles in the NFL and I think he could be a, a nice pass catching option as well. So certainly going to be an option in, in PPR leagues. I think in terms of value, uh, Kyron Williams, you're probably going to get him early second round, and he's probably uh, going to be end up being the best running back value in this draft class for my money. You know, right now. And when you're talking early second round, you're you're even talking one quarterback, right? So if once we start throwing in some of these quarterbacks and super flex, a lot of people are trying to sell those second round picks, and I'm like. I've been loading up on it because I feel like there's going to be a lot of value drop there. The the guy we've talked a lot, you know, on the podcast about Hall and Spiller, but I got to say, I mean, <laughs> listening to your podcast got me pumped, just absolutely pumped for Kenneth Walker. I mean, number one in, in yards after contact, number one in 10 plus yards, 15 plus yard carries. And it, honestly, this guy from listening to you, you know, and listening to their, has the, the potential to be a three down back. If he gets in that proper zone scheme, I mean, like he's someone that I think some of some of the people in the industry are not quite as high on or, and they should be much higher. Yeah. 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 One of the things in, and this speaks to our earlier point, right? One of the things, whenever I'm doing my YouTube videos, whenever I'm talking in the patron discord, I always tell folks like, tell me who I'm too high on, right? Tell me who I'm too low on. Cause I want to hear that consensus and that feedback. And I, I got to tell you, in, in folks listening to this podcast, in some of your leagues, Kenneth Walker will be the first running back selected because there are folks that that love Kenneth Walker, right? And that get hooked on him just the way that you're describing it. And so, you know, it's not going to be a year where, you know, uh, X running back is going to go off the board first in, in somebody's league. Uh, Isaiah Spiller will be the first running back in some leagues. Brees Hall will be. And Kenneth Walker certainly will be because folks who are excited about Kenneth Walker are excited about Kenneth Walker and for good reason. Yeah. Now here's the, here's the trickiest thing for me is people are asking about now, you know, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I mean, I was big on Najee. You got me even more pumped with how high you were on him last year, you know? And, and I think we're alluding to this is your third time. That was back in like the former podcast. You were talking about Najee Harris being right up there with Jonathan Taylor when that draft class came out and then Najee went back to school, you know, more just what we've just been talking about where the classes can change and do things. But talk to me about Najee Harris, Javante Williams, guys from this class. Where do these three, four guys, where do they stack up compared to last year's class? I mean, you know, how close are they? Because I I know our listeners like to try to say, well, you know, I'm here what he's saying for this class. But Spiller's your number one. How high up would he have been with last year's guys? You know, and I know that's a tricky thing to say because we've seen Najee. We see what he can do. Javante is like a Twitter darling where he's going – way way too early you know everybody has him super high where do these guys rank in comparison yeah you know it's it's so interesting because you want to be able to kind of uh draw both at the time when they were drafted and then also you know kind of compare to to current value so you know i, I will say in terms of current value these guys are, are projecting in here i'm looking at my dynasty rankings and you know they're coming in 
I would say Isaiah Spiller right now is what I would uh, categorize as a seven, nine in my rookie big board rating, which is uh, a weekly starter, right? So somebody that you can plug into that running back two spot and be kind of consistent and plug them in. So that puts him right at about where uh, Josh Jacobs or Clyde Edwards, Elaire are right now in my dynasty rankings. So kind of those guys that are going, you know, you can put them out there weekly in your lineup, right? They're not going to win you every single week. But they are really solid contributors in that way. You know, uh, if you want to compare to last year's class, right? Travis Etienne right now is a seven-seven, so in that same tier for me. But you know, a guy like Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, and then Kenneth Walker is actually at seven-seven right now too. So I have him exactly where I have Etienne. Uh, and for context, I'm still pretty high on Etienne compared to I think most of the dynasty community. So that's a pretty good ranking. I- I'm-, I'm plugging these guys into that you know back end running back two range running back 18 to to 24, but that's before I can put an actual projection on him, right? Like I love draft weekend because I already have my 2022 projection sheet set up and I just plug these guys in. And then once I get it, you know, sometimes these guys after draft weekend, then that's when they start to skyrocket up, you know, my projection sheet, you know, I was high on Najee Harris. I plugged him into that Pittsburgh offense and I was like, dude, you cannot get me to draft anybody else. Right. A guy like Justin Jefferson two years ago, he was my wide receiver four going into the draft. After I plugged him into that Minnesota Vikings offense, he jumped to my wide receiver one. Everybody thought I was ridiculous, right? But you plug them into projections and they have the ability to rise. So right now these guys are sitting as low as low end running back twos, which still come with a great level of value, but certainly have the ability to, to push themselves up in value as well. And those, those running back twos are super important. And I think, you know, we were we were doing the an exercise last week where I think he had Spiller going to the Ravens, Hall going to the Chargers, and then Kenneth Walker went to the Cardinals. And you're like, this is a situation where, you know, Kenneth Walker could jump in there and literally be a feature back. And I think landing spot with these running backs more so than in the past is going to be huge. You know, Javante Williams went to Denver and Gordon was still there, but we still drafted him based off the talent. I think some of these guys, it's going to be very dependent on landing spot and we're going to be Draft weekend always falls on my birthday weekend. I'm always out there watching them, you know, and it's just a fantastic weekend, and I'm super excited for that. Moving yeah, I mean, over. it's oh, so critical. Yeah, no, 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 I was just – yep. And then we have Burks and Wilson. You have Wilson at your at your 104, and then Drake London and Chris Olave at 106 and 107. Um, you know, Olave is a guy that I see people have a lot of variance on. You know, some people have him really high. I've seen some people have him up as – wide receiver two. I saw one analyst had him as his wide receiver one in the class. Other people, you know, down a little bit further. He's a little bit polarizing in that sense, you know, but talk to me a little bit about these wide receivers as well. Yeah, man, I'll start with Olave. So Olave's I'm like, I'm setting you up for like (laughs) clusters, right? Like just here, talk until you can't talk anymore because we're we're just soaking it in, brother. Careful. That's dangerous. (laughs) That's dangerous, man. When I'm talking about rookies, you got to cut me off. But I'll start with Alave here because uh, Alave is my wide receiver too. I'm high on Chris Alave. You know, when you look at him, he's a really well-rounded wideout. He's got fantastic hands, a really, really consistent hand work. He's got great catch radius for his size. Uh, one of the things that I love when looking at running backs, if they can win off of press coverage, specifically with that first step off their release consistently in college, and he was playing against Big Ten defensive backs, so 
you know, a higher level of competition than most folks. And again, you know, you don't also get a lot of wide receivers to get to play on press coverage in college. Chris Olave definitely got lined up against that. But when they can win with that first step, that release, that's something that translates for me. I found very well to the NFL. And Olave has a really excellent release off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he wins well off of zone coverage and press coverage, right? He speeds up really quickly off the line of scrimmage. He navigates the field. He's a super fluid athlete, but he has excellent body control as well. Um, and so for me, you know, I just, we, we kind of talked about Chris Olave. I thought he was a first round draft pick if he came out in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I think we have, um, you know, Olave, Olave falls into a weird place. You know, his value, I think was actually higher last year, despite the fact that he came back to Ohio state and in an extremely talented offense with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, Oh, Chris Olave still had his most productive season ever. So why is his value dropping? And we just talked about it. We think this is a weaker class. So why is Chris Olave's value dropping? And this is going to sound, uh, you know, either ridiculous or perfect, depending on how how much rookie coverage you follow. One, he he did he he declared with a later age. And if you're if you care about the analytics side of things, and I'm not knocking it at all, if you care about that, then he he declared at a later age, and, and that's a that's a down value for the analytics side of folks. And I'm gonna rag on the film side of folks as well here. We get bored. Film guys get bored. Chris Olave has been so good for so long that we just he's not the hotness, right? We're not watching Traylon Burks anymore. We're not watching Drake London because Chris Olave is just good, right? And he's just consistently good at what he does. So the way that I've been comparing Chris Olave's value, and I'm not comparing their skill sets one to one, but the way that I saw Jalen Waddle's value just dropping for no reason, and I got I got uh, I think probably like a seventy to eighty percent exposure to Jalen Waddle. I got him everywhere I could. I was very happy about it. Um, and, and I'm seeing a similar trend with Chris Olave because yeah. he's just good, right? And we're just we're pushing up these other hype guys above him. But but I'm I'm very bullish on Chris Olave. I you know I really hope he gets into a volume uh, landing spot so I can project him with even more confidence. But uh, you know for me you know he's very much my wide receiver too. But man, you could make an argument for Garrett Wilson. You know Garrett Wilson is is one decimal point below Chris Olave in, in my tape score, right? Or my rookie big board rankings. And Drake London is right there as well. I have a little bit of concern when wide receivers can't separate, and that certainly is the case with Drake London. But how often are you getting six five guys who are two ten and have great vertical ability and fluidity and good speed and a ridiculous catch radius? But it's not just about his catch radius. He's got good body position. He understands how to. Uh, you know, go up and get those contested catch balls. So, you know, those first four guys, I think, have, you know, kind of settled themselves or I think will settle themselves into a tier of their own um, as all guys who are going to be, you know, really good wide receiver twos with wide receiver one potential. Right. There's there's no Jamar Chase in this class, but there is, the you know, obviously you, you brought up Jalen Waddell, Elijah Moore. You know, there, there's some guys that are going to be they have some potential to be back end wide receiver one, be wide receiver twos in this league. And and that clearly has value too, you know? And I think that's the thing is that everybody's, they're like, there's no Jamar Chase. There's no Najee Harris. That doesn't mean there's not value in this class. And I, I'm glad that you have those four guys in the tier because then I, I kind of look at the next two guys and I kind of clump them together, right? There's those guys that once they pass the medical checks, once they get through and find out the ACL, you know, we look at George Pickens, which, the Maddie Daddy put on here loves your show. I don't know if you he's in a Smash Except Listener League three. Awesome guy. You know he's saying he wanted to hear a little bit about you know George Pickens. 
The other guy you got to put in that same area is Jamison Williams. You know, both of them with the ACL tears, just different times. Obviously, Pickens is a little further along in the process here, but it's like these two guys, if they didn't get injured, might be up there in that top tier as well. So, Mike, real quick before we move on to this next tier, I want to ask Matt, um, for guys like me who are just jumping into the rookie class, right, it sounds like you have that top tier fairly solidified. How much separation do you have between those guys in terms of preference? Like, if you had the 101, what would what would it take for you to move back to, let's say, the 104 and then maybe, you know, 106, 107? So you're getting one of those guys that you do like, but perhaps not quite as much. Yeah, totally fine with moving back. You know, I don't need Traylon Burks, but I love Traylon Burks. Heck yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, for me, this is a good class to be able to slide back a couple picks, uh, get a second round pick, give your, cause I think there is going to be really good value in the second round. You know, if you can go from a uh, one Oh, you know, one Oh three to one Oh six and pick up the two Oh two or the two Oh five, you know, that's perfectly fine with me. You know, a really good way of hedging. We were talking about, you know, how to balance the love between 2022 and 2023. You know, if you could move down from the one uh, you know, 104 to the 108, and then you pick up a 23 second round pick, you know, boom, I would do that as well, right? Um, you know, certainly uh, because, you know, quite frankly, even if you slide out of those top four guys, you know, Jamison Williams, George Pickens, David Bell, Jahan Dotson, I think they all could be really good impact wide receivers, right? So this isn't a class where I feel like I'm taking that huge jump, right? Going from Jamar Chase to wide receiver two. Um, I think there's a lot of good value around. That's a great question, Monk. I love that, you know, because we're always get so many questions about guys. We were talking moving into 23, but maybe the move is move back in 2022, you know, and, and move back. If it's not a huge difference and, and start making these tiers, move yourself back, add more draft capital, put yourself in position to get more picks. And that's always, you know, how you win in Dynasty. Um, then you have, and I, and I love this, you have two quarterbacks in a one quarterback league. You know, you got two guys, both Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. I mean, obviously Willis is on the rise from Senior Bowl. Pickett is one of those guys that looks the most pro-ready. I mean, he he looks like he could step in there. Um, you know, Jeremy, that's at Pope's FFH, was talking to me about that, where Pickens is his – or not Pick, I'm sorry. Pickett is his QB1, and a lot of people have it where Malik Willis is like the only option now. But both of these guys have some serious upside. Yeah, I got to tell you, man. Uh, yeah, it caved into the pressure here. I'm a super flex player, like through and through. Uh, I don't think I play in any one QB leagues anymore, but people would not stop asking, like, can you please convert uh, the rookie big board rating to one quarterback? I want to see one quarterback rankings, how they line up. So I'm still feeling out the one quarterback a little bit and where you put guys in kind of that, that positional value range. But I got to tell you, you know, it, it's, again, one of those situations where I think right now it feels good to bash the quarterback class, we're going to take our shots on the quarterback, man. Because when it comes to it, if you can land that quarterback, you know, certainly in one quarterback, even more so to super flex leagues, right? But if you can land that quarterback position, the the return is huge, right? And we've seen before, I mean, you know, we're talking Josh Allen's year. Nobody was hype on Josh Allen, right? Lamar Jackson's year. Nobody was hype on Lamar Jackson. And, and I'm not claiming that there's a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson this year's draft class, but there could be, right? And so I think what's really going to help determine it is, is a few factors. One, I think Matt Corral is going to be the riser over the next couple months, right? Because unlike Pickett, Willis, 
Howell, Strong, Ritter, Zappi, who are the only other draftable quarterbacks in this class, in my opinion, uh, for fantasy purposes. Uh, Matt Corral wasn't at the Senior Bowl. He didn't have the ability to get that hype. And so where some of these other guys have had the ability to gain some hype, uh, from what I'm hearing from the NFL draft side of things, is that Matt Corral's interviews are going to make or break, you know, how NFL teams view him, right? And Matt Corral, I love Matt Corral. He's a game manager. And I say that in the best way, right? Uh, Matt Corral is Baker Mayfield, uh, but he can run better and has legitimate mobility, right? And, you know, uh, in, in, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Baker fan, but, you know, Corral, I think, is an upgraded version of Baker for fantasy purposes, which means he can push that QB1 territory, right? Like, he could be a top 12 guy, and he's got solid mobility behind him. He still has some work to do in, in terms of learning the game of football. He was really only a full-time starter for about a season, a season and a half for Mississippi. And Malik Willis, here's the thing with Malik Willis. You're betting on tools. And, and you know what? And I know that scares some folks, but guess what? Whenever you draft a quarterback, <laughs> it's a risk, man. The NFL is a tough, tough game for quarterbacks. It's going to depend on the, the coaching staff around you, their willingness and ability to develop you, and more importantly, their willingness and ability to revamp the offense around you. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson progressed very well, right? Uh, in, part, in part because they improved as players, right? I don't want to knock that from them. But look what Buffalo did. They they revamped the offense. They put uh, key weapons around Josh Allen. Uh, Baltimore did the same thing with Lamar Jackson, right? So when you're drafting these quarterbacks, you're almost drafting the, the franchise. How much do you really trust the situation that they're being put in, right? And, and I think that's what's getting folks excited about Malik Willis because now we're hearing Pittsburgh Steelers rumors, right? Listen, a lot of the NFL front offices are, are, are absolute dumpster fires. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of the ones that folks generally have more faith in, right? Especially when you think about coaching staffs that are going to develop and coach up a young quarterback. So when it comes to Malik Willis, if he does land in a spot like Pittsburgh, you can have some faith in his coaching staff, but you also have faith in these tools, man. We're talking pure athleticism, a burner, elusive in space, uh, you know, feels very comfortable running the ball and has a huge arm. Now you look at the knocks on Malik Willis, and there's there's justifiable uh, mean or reasons for the knocks, right? Uh, Malik Willis, he doesn't, you know, he's got to hone in his mechanics, he's got to hone in that accuracy, he's got to get that pocket presence down. But one key thing to remember, Malik Willis was a four-star recruit at Auburn. He ends up transferring to Liberty. When he transfers to Liberty, he has no offensive line or playmakers around him. And when you have no offensive line or playmakers, what are you doing? You're just relying on your tools. He's not getting coached up at Liberty and no knock right. on Liberty, right? That's not, they're, they're not coaching him up like uh, like a guy, uh, you know, like Kenny Pickett at Pitt is getting coached up or Sam Howell is getting coached up, right? And so you're betting on Malik Willis uh, to be a high upside type guy. And if he hits, man, he's going to hit. And so for me, I'm comfortable drafting Malik Willis. Uh, I've, I, I feel like I've been a little bit higher than most folks on him throughout the process. And now everybody is kind of there, which is excellent to see uh, because man, we don't play fantasy scared. We don't draft scared. So you might as well go for some upside, right? You want that guy that's going to be with that high ceiling. And I think all four of those quarterbacks that you mentioned there with, with how and, and corral and Pickett and Willis, all four are looking at first round draft capital, you know, and Absolutely. that's what I'm, that's what I'm telling people when they're trying to bail on this rookie class is they see Right now, I'm looking at you know you have you have David Bell and and Kyron Williams as borderline you know end of the first kind of guys. Guess what? 
some of these quarterbacks are going to get pushed up there. And those early twos are going to be straight money. Like these guys are going to push themselves up there. And people that are trying to get a quarterback, I think because they're down on it, you might be able to get a quarterback a little bit later in this class. Um, where, where do you have, let's say, Pickett and Willis, let's just say either one of them lands in Pittsburgh, you know, which is one of the more ideal situations. And that was a great thing you were saying there about the franchise. The other thing is, is the coach. I mean, you've got a guy like Mike Tomlin, you got a guy like Sean McDermott. They're solidified in what they do, as opposed to Justin Fields going to Chicago last year. And it's like Matt Nagy going to be a dicey situation, right? So you got to look at those things. But let's say they go to that ideal situation. Let's say it's Pittsburgh. Let's say it's a, an, an offense with a good coaching staff. Are they your 101 in a super flex? I mean, I feel like quarterbacks almost push themselves there with the lack of a, you know, even if Spiller goes to the right spot. I feel like one of these quarterbacks has to be the 101. Yeah, you know, for me, I am a proponent in Superflex leagues that the quarterback, the majority of the time, should be the one-on-one pick, right? Because there's so much value, especially in a Superflex. There's so much value in drafting that quarterback and have and being able to have even a solid, consistent back-end quarterback, one high-end quarterback, too. And the example that I've been trying to give folks is, remember Mac Jones mania? Like, there was a point in time where folks who drafted Mac Jones in the second round were just victory lapping and, and folks were flipping him for first round picks and multiple first round picks. And there was like four weeks of Mac Jones just being okay. Like if you looked at his actual fantasy, like he was, he's a good NFL quarterback. I'm not knocking him as an NFL quarterback, great rookie season, but for fantasy, he was fine. <laughs> you know, he right. was like a middling quarterback too. Uh, in, in again, I'm not knocking him. Mac Jones was doing what he was doing, right? But I'm just giving the example of how high your value could go, you know, if you do hit at the quarterback position. And so for a guy like Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, who are going to have first round draft capital, I think any of those guys could end up pushing themselves in a position where they where they're the one on one. And I think too, when they get drafted, is a key part of things, right? I think a lot of folks right now, you know, for me. I have uh, I have Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, and all in that day one mid-range. Like picks 10 to 20 is where I think they're kind of going to fall out because that's what the NFL is telling me. If one of these quarterbacks goes top five, you know, I think Carolina's picking at six, if I remember correctly. I don't think the Giants will pick quarterback, but if they do with one of their picks, you know, all of a sudden folks are going to feel a little bit different when you get a quarterback going top five or six, right? And so I think that plays into a little bit of the confidence factor behind it too. So I, I think we will get to a point where folks are taking a quarterback in this class. You know, I certainly understand why I did a, a really good spot uh, on the Superflex show uh, last week. If anybody, you know, listens to that, I'd, I'd send you over there as well. Talk about like, you know, we really got into the psychology of why folks don't want to draft quarterback with the 101 this year. And I think it's because over the last couple of years, like we've seen Justin Jefferson, right? We've seen a Jamar Chase. Like there was always this narrative that we had to wait on wide receiver. And, mm -hmm. but now, you know, folks are looking at like, man, we just had one of the best quarterback classes of all time, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, highly, highly ranked prospects, two of the, the highest ever rated high school prospects. And we end up, we have to wait a year for them to be good at least. Right. And, you know, certainly front offices play into that, but I think folks are starting to get more and more confident drafting wide receiver earlier and maybe a little bit less confident in, in wanting to be patient, wanting to wait on quarterback, but you had to wait. And, and, you know, not to keep going back to these two guys, but you had to wait on Josh Allen. 
You had to wait on Lamar Jackson, right? And so just two really good examples here that, you know, building off of what we were talking about is that – and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray wasn't great his his, uh, his rookie season. It's tough. It's tough to develop as a quarterback, right? And so – but if you have Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, I mean, these are the top picks in a startup right now. So it's yeah. incredible value if you're willing to be patient and if you can hit on that quarterback position. And the well, wide receivers that you're right – oh, go ahead, Mom. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I know the recent rumors that have been prevalent are Pittsburgh, right? And obviously, Big Ben retiring leaves a massive hole there. Um, but, you know, looking at the draft right now, where where would you want Willis and Pickett to go and maybe how to ideally capitalize on long-term NFL success and also fantasy success? Because like you said, you know, Carolina picks early. And then within the top 10 alone, we've got Atlanta. We've seen what Arthur Smith did with Ryan Tannehill. And then Denver's a great spot with Hackett after working with Rodgers and then just all the weapons that the Broncos have. I mean, where do you want them to go where you would really consider taking these quarterbacks 101, 102? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's like you plug these different guys into different schemes and it works better, right, than, than some other areas. So, you know, you look at a guy like Matt Corral, I know it almost sounds, you know, uh, contrary to this discussion about front offices uh, that we've been talking about, but I, I really think Matt Corral matches up well with Ron Rivera in Washington, right? I talked about him kind of being a game manager and in the best way, but look at the weapons Matt Corral would have around him, right? You have Terry McLaurin. <laughs> My goodness, would it be good for Terry McLaurin? Can we please give Terry McLaurin a we quarterback? Could try. We've been asking <laughs> like, for it, right? Like, please, man, right? And you have you have a, a, a veteran. Uh, very knowledgeable head coach there. One of the guys that was a uh, really key to Cam Newton's development. Uh, and, you know, I'm not comparing Corral's mobility to Cam Newton's, but mobile quarterback, right? You have that ability, especially when thinking about scheming up goal line packages, right? Uh, and one of the things I always say is a, is a rookie quarterback's best friend is a good running game. Having that check down option to Antonio Gibson is a pretty good spot to be in as well. Um, and so I, I love the idea of uh, of Matt Corral landing there in Washington. You know, you look at Carolina, uh, it's a really interesting spot. For a guy like Kenny Pickett, who you want to just be able to kind of dish the ball around, right? Uh, Kenny Pickett has a really good uh, understanding for uh, how to adjust velocities and hit all three levels of the field. Uh, and you think about the the playmakers that that Carolina has, you know, having that ability to hit all three levels of the field with DJ Moore. And my goodness, if we can ever get Terrace Marshall to click into that deep third of the field, right, get him some actual reps. But they have really good young tight ends too to chew up the, the underneath of the field. And certainly, again, Christian McCaffrey there, that really helps you out as well when you could, you know, dump the ball off two yards and get uh, 15 passing yards out of it half the time, right? So that, so I think, you know, Kenny Pickett in Carolina could be a really good fit. Uh, we talked about Malik Willis uh, in Pittsburgh. That is kind of the pick. Uh, you know, right now it sounds like, you know, Sam Howell is, is falling down boards a little bit further uh, for most folks. But, man, it might work out. If he falls down to Tampa Bay at 27, <laughs> you know, we might just luck into Sam Howell uh, being in a really good spot there with the veteran coach and Bruce Arians, uh, that kind of air raid offense. And Sam Howell can certainly open up the field. He's got a huge arm. He can chuck it deep there. Uh, and then, you know, the one thing I will always, you know, point out to folks is uh, as we kind of get into the back end here, if we're at picks 18, 19, 20, 
Uh, do not be surprised if a team from the that is done with the first round or that, that doesn't have any picks left in the first round uh, moves up from the second to trade into that quarterback position because there is nothing more valuable than the fifth-year option on the rookie quarterback contract in the NFL, right? And so if one of these guys starts to slide, man, you know, you could look at Detroit possibly trading up. Eh, maybe not the best spot right away. You know, Denver could trade up. Denver would be another really great landing spot for quarterback. They're really weird about the quarterback position. I don't know if they're going to want to take one at nine, but I could certainly see them trading up uh, from 40, especially if, you know, Howell is sliding. So, you know, you can, when you're projecting out landing spots, I would say, you know, you can definitely start looking into the early second round too. And, and that's why, you know, I think at least four of these guys are going in the first round. I mean, there's all the trade rumors of Garoppolo and, and Wentz, and there's guys like Teddy Bridgewater are going to be floating around there. And I mean, you talked about Detroit, where, where Goff's there. Are these guys guys that can come in, aside from Pickett? I think Pickett's a guy that can come in and start day one. Are some of these guys, are they ready to go right off the bat, or are they going to experience a situation where you know they're going to be able to sit behind for a couple of games and then jump in there? I mean, where do you guys, where do you see them with that kind of potential? Yeah, I mean, you alluded to it, but Pickett is the most pro-ready, absolutely. And so he's a guy that you can kind of plug and play into that NFL offense. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, obviously depending on draft capital and we'll see landing spot and all that good stuff, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him as the first quarterback, you know, seeing the field week one, week two, week three, pretty early on in the season. Uh, Matt Corral is a guy who I think, you know, we might think we're going to see week one, but I, I mentioned it earlier, he's only really been at a year and a half. Um, and Lane Kiffin's offense at Old Miss isn't really the most transferable to the NFL game. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we see Matt Corral in one of those, you know, he he comes in uh, week eight after his team's bye because they're three and five. And, you know, so it, it might be that kind of situation for Matt Corral. Malik Willis, you know, we talked about that rawness. Wouldn't necessarily shock me if we see uh, a redshirt year or Malik Willis, you know, gets in three or four games at the end of the season. Um, you know, an NFL team certainly could throw him out there a week one. I, I wouldn't, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> Sometimes these NFL teams really push him out there. And I think Sam Howell is is relatively pro-ready. I, I do think Sam Howell is a guy who could get on the field pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, I don't think the... I don't think the concerns for Sam Howell are necessarily, I mean, there's processing concerns for sure, but I don't think that there's going to be questions about his ability to pick up a playbook, the ability to kind of adjust to that. Sam Howell was a impact starter as a true freshman for North Carolina, right? And so Sam Howell has had three full years. I think he's started 40 plus college games at this point. So he is an experienced quarterback. And I think he is somebody who, uh, you know, especially if he lands in a spot with a good offensive line. I should have mentioned that when talking about landing spot with Sam Howell. If you go back to 2020 uh, tape, behind a good offensive line, Sam Howell looks fantastic. Behind a bad offensive line in 2021, that's when you start to see those processing issues, the, the, those mental decision-making issues, right? So again, you know, potentially if Sam Howell is behind a better offensive line, i.e. Denver, then he might see the field quicker than if he's behind a poor offensive line, uh, you know, if he ends up with the Giants or something along those lines, right? Uh, I think an NFL coach is going to have to feel out, you know, really what the support system around that quarterback is going to be. I love it. I, I know I always try to keep it to about an hour because I'm respectful of your time and we could talk for days and just picking your brain. But the position that our, our listeners ask about the most is 
some of these guys that are going to be able to fall into the second round of their rookie picks at the running back position. I mean, there's there's Tyler. Is it Al Jair? Am I saying it correctly? You know, Man, you tell me. <laughs> Jerome Ford. You know, you got some guys from the Senior Bowl. You know, Damian Pierce, Rashad White. Talk to me about some of these guys, and and even Brian Robinson. I think Brian Robinson is a guy getting the right situation. He's a guy that I've loved through the process, even though you know he might not be up on everybody else's board. Talk to me a little bit about these guys. Who's your favorite? Who's that guy that like if you had to put a stamp on it, this guy's going to be some nice value and and just hit on some of those guys. Yeah, man, I'm a huge Jerome Ford fan. So it was really great to see Jerome Ford show up and show out at the Senior Bowl. I've been on Jerome Ford. He's stashed on all my Devi rosters. Uh, if you're not familiar with Ford, he was a four-star running back recruit, uh, ends up committing to Alabama, and is in that Alabama running back room, but just is not getting the runtime. Now remember, at the time Jerome Ford's in there, this is uh, Damian Harris, this is Najee Harris, this is Brian Robinson. He's stuck behind all of these guys and decides instead to transfer to Cincinnati. And you could see back on 2020, uh, 2020 tape, uh, he was stuck behind Jared Dokes of all people, right? Um, but whenever he was on the field, he was super explosive. He had breakaway athleticism. He had good vision. And so all of these things, man, I was like, once he sees the field as a full-time starter, he's going to explode. That's exactly what he did for Cincinnati, man. Powers through opposing defenders, great strength, great contact balance, often creates yards after contact. I know there's a lot of folks that care about that for the running back position. I think he's going to be an effective goal line back in the NFL. Um, you know, but there was there were some questions for me. You know, sometimes it's difficult to pull players out of scheme, right? Which is why the Senior Bowl is so good. So there's questions for me, uh, you know, from his tape. Is he explosive? You know, what does that vision look like? It looked inconsistent at times. He goes down to Mobile. They put him in a position where he can really be explosive off the line of scrimmage. He can hit that second level. Uh, he can show his vision ability. And for most folks, you know, from what I'm hearing, Jerome Ford was, you know, one of the two running backs that rose their stock in terms of NFL draft stock the most. Uh, at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. So once I could project him up to be a top 100 or a, a day three, or I should, sorry, uh, a day two, so rounds two and three draft pick, that's when I was all in on Jerome Ford, projected him with confidence as my running back five. So he's the top of that second tier for me. And so I'm a big Jerome Ford fan. Uh, you know, there's other guys I think are going to be good values. I, I like Rashad White. I think he's fine, but I think he's actually being overvalued a little bit right now. I think Hassan Haskins out of Michigan is really being undervalued. You know, he's a powerful back for me. He's explosive. He's got good vision. He's a tenacious runner. You know, I think the worst case scenario is that he's a goal line uh, vulture and we all hate him for fantasy football, but I think he'll be better than that. Um, and then, you know, quickly, you know, I, I, I got to cut myself off because there's a ton of guys that I love right here. But, uh, you know, I'll just back up your point with Brian Robinson. He has size. He has athleticism. And he has the Alabama name. He's going to be a top 100 draft pick, and he's going to rise up the board for folks when he does that. Uh, yeah, people are really high on Dayton. He's going third round when you're doing super flex, and even yeah. like mid to late third round, and that's not going to happen. He, he's going to shoot up. He's going to shoot up boards. Another guy who's going to shoot up boards is Damian Pierce out of Florida. Did not love his tape. I, I really, I had a lot of questions. You know, he profiled for me really as a rotational back. Another guy who showed up to Mobile. And I think he's really, really going to raise his draft stock. However, this is somebody that I'm still avoiding. I think he's going to be a better NFL back than he's than he's necessarily going to be a fantasy back. 
but don't be surprised if Damian Pierce is a second round pick in your rookie leagues. It's just not going to be somebody who I'm going to go in on. And then real quick, I know I'm rambling, but I got to throw my sleeper pick out. And he's not even a third, a second or third round pick. I bet right now, if, if you did a rookie draft in most leagues right now, he would be a fourth round pick or not even drafted at all. But watch for Deshaun Corbin, the running back out of Florida State. Corbin is a sneaky, sneaky, good prospect, one of my favorite sleepers. He has the size and he has the skill to be an impact player. He's explosive off the line of scrimmage. Uh, He has really, really high-end straight-line acceleration. He might be one of the fastest runners uh, in the 60-yard dash. I know that's not really a big thing anymore, but I think he'll test well in the 40 as well. Great contact balance. I love when running backs have good contact balance. He's aggressive when he hits the A-gap. He's good in the B-gap. You haven't heard his name a lot because he was originally a Texas A&M recruit, high four-star, doesn't get on the field in, in a, uh, a, a tough running back room. Isaiah Spiller, we talked about that. Transfers to Florida State, shows out quickly at Florida State, and then gets injured in spring ball. So he gets going a little bit later. They split his carries to try to keep him healthy throughout the season. But I'm telling you, like, really, really good sleeper pick. And a guy who I have projected to be day three early NFL draft. And every year, there seems to be those guys that they get drafted. And folks are like, who the heck? You know, what? how did that guy get drafted in the fourth round? I've never even heard of him. That's probably going to be Deshaun Corbin. Like, I, I'm high on this guy. Uh, and I hope he goes early day three. I think that's probably best case scenario because then, or maybe I don't, you know, I don't want folks to catch on, but I'll be able to project him with even more confidence. I love that. And I bet if we go back and listen to, cause you, you when we talked running backs last year, you gave us the sleeper. And I, I bet if we go back to that, that's a guy that was like in that same kind of situation. Uh, Mug, do you have any more questions with Matt here? I know you, you know, time's super valuable here, but I know there's definitely some more things to talk about. Yeah, one quick question. You know, you gave us your sleeper guy as of right now with Corbin. Who's a guy that you think is really going to be dependent on NFL draft capital? Maybe somebody uh, like a Tyler Johnson, right, who a lot of analysts were split on um, and some were super high on him, and then he fell to day three, and the rest is kind of history there. Yeah, you know, I I think, you know, when you you talk about that, the guys who at this point I have, you know, question marks around – uh, their NFL draft capital, they're usually circle around injury, right? And so I know we talked about them a little bit earlier, but Jamison Williams, George Pickens, to a degree, John Mechie, uh, these are guys who I'm really going to be looking to see their draft capital. Because in order to, you know, if George Pickens ends up being a first-round draft pick, that means he's cleared medicals, right? You know, for folks who, who may not be as familiar with the process, if you go to Indianapolis and you – you know, you don't check out with the team's doctor. You don't move down that team's draft board. You are off that team's draft board, right? So, like, you know, say, for instance, I don't know, pick any team, like right, like the, the Giants are looking at George Pickens, and he doesn't check out. They don't move him from a first round to a fifth round pick. They take him off the board, right? And so if you see a free fall for a guy like that, that's because he's not on board, right? Remember, like, DK Metcalf a couple years back. And so that could really hurt the draft capital. Um, And then the other side of draft capital I look at are like these guys that I love as sleepers. And if the NFL confirms my love for them, I'm like, here we go. (laughs) Like, let's ride. Right. So a really good example of this is Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State. Six, four, two or six, three. I'm sorry. Two, ten. Super athletic, super twitchy, really great boundary wide receiver, really excellent hands. Great contested catch guy played at North Dakota State. Small school. uh, Right. But he goes to the senior bowl. And I get he's the easily, 
easily the best wide receiver at the senior bowl, right? And, and we have some good, you know, pro level, you know, cornerbacks, not the best cornerback class, but he was playing against good competition all week in Mobile, right? And so for me, I'm like, this guy's a top 100 pick. He's showing the skill set. If he wasn't wearing a North Dakota State helmet, everybody would probably agree, right? So, you know, if Christian Watson goes and he's drafted with a, you know, 90th pick, then I'm like, all right, here we go. Day two draft capital. That's huge for me. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I can I can project him with a little bit more confidence. Um, and then the last thing I want to throw out here, just for draft capital, just so you know, folks really can kind of grasp exactly, you know, like what draft capital means. I know some folks are in on it, some folks are not in on it. You know, I break down draft capital, I think, in a little bit of a unique way. Um, I have, uh, you know, kind of, I don't just do day one, day two. You know, for most folks, or for for NFL teams, I should say. They don't have 32 guys they value as first round picks. In most years, that number is 18 or 19 guys that the NFL generally considers first round picks. And then at that point, you know, picks 20 to 50 to me are the same draft capital. So late first round to early second round, you're pulling the same draft capital. And then after that, picks 50 to 102. So mid round two uh, to the end of round three. That's a separate bracket for me. And then you get into day three, you know, some subcategories in day three. But I mentioned that to say, there's a wide bracket in day two. And so if you're in between picks 50 and 102, which a lot of our fantasy relevant guys are, you're falling into the same bucket. Like, I don't care if you're drafted at the end of the second round or the last pick on day three. You're pretty much valued in a similar spot. It's just about what team is picking and what their needs are. Yeah, that's good. So you're saying if a guy goes like 58 versus 64, it doesn't matter in your rankings as, as we're going by the process already. And as long as they hit that area... And that's smart because I, I know a lot of guys in the past, they're like, like, especially Miko Hardman is a guy that sticks out, right? Like he started going all of a sudden we're like, well, he must be better than the guy that went 15 slots after. No, he fits that need of that team and that's their belief. And you shouldn't change it based off of that. So Matt, that is fantastic information. You know, that's why we have you on. That's why we love having you on here at Smash Accept. So thanks again for coming on. Why don't you tell everybody again where they can find you and, and what you're working on? Yeah, absolutely, man. Again, you know, uh, Rookie Big Board on YouTube, Rookie Big Board uh, podcast channel, and, uh, you know, patreon.com slash the FF Educator. You know, the, the, it's blowing up right now. It's rookie season, man. We're about to hit over the 100 mark on the patrons, which is really great. Uh, so you get my full access to my rookie rankings. We talked through a lot of guys, man. We barely scratched the surface. I have 85 final evaluations done right now over there and, you know, full access to the patrons. And we have the discord channel as well, which folks love, uh, you know, we're talking rookie value and just anything fantasy football. So, you know, if you want to check that out, it's just three bucks a month and it's over at patreon.com uh, slash the FF educator. But I appreciate you guys having me on here, man. I always love circling back. I look forward to this guest spot and uh, you know, I got to tell you, I like talking uh, on the podcast more than playing against you in UDPL, man, because <laughs> your roster is looking a lot better than mine and I don't like it. Yeah, no. <laughs> hey, it's it's been a play. I like I like talking here too, but I like I like winning in fantasy. I'm the trade guy. <laughs> That's why I have you on. You're you're the you're the rookie guy. I'm the trade guy. You know. There and we go. There we go. You're, you're you actually put me over the top because I ended up trading up for Najee Harris, then flipped him for a bunch of you know Antonio Gibson plus two more starters and won the whole league again. So I owe you. <laughs> now, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> Mug, what what do you got going on? I know you got crazy things going at Fantrax all the time. 
Yeah, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I just came out with fully updated uh, Dynasty rankings, both one quarterback and super flex, so however you like to play. And uh, while we're talking about fan tracks, too, I'll shout out John Laub, who uh, I know he does in season, you know, weekly uh, college fantasy football waiver wire. So another super knowledgeable guy about the rookie classes. So shout out to him. Hey, thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process.